morning, but right now it's time to welcome Dr. Andrew Corbett in for our regular Wednesday morning discussion. Good morning, Dr. Andrew. Good morning, Cameron. Great to be with you again this week. Always great to have you in. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) And we do want to thank our listeners and supporters who rallied behind us on the Mm, the week leading up to the the close of our financial year. We, We had a lot of ground to make up. We went very close. To making it up and i sincerely want to thank those people who supported us we had people from right around uh, launceston and northern tasmania uh, just really dig deep and and help us to come very very close to finishing our year strong mm-hmm. and really really thank you for that now we're off to a, a new year and we're hoping that this will be our our best year of yes. course we don't measure that by our finances, we, we measure that by our impact and how we're fulfilling our mission. And our mission is to be able to, to present a positive alternative yes. in, in music and message. Of course, we we have to pay the, the light bills, Cameron. Yes, and, uh, indeed we do. We've got, a two, <laughs> we've got a two kilowatt transmitter just down the corridor from us yes. here. And those things, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like standing under a cold shower at 20 up. Uh, tearing up $20 notes, you know, they're, they're very <laughs> yes. expensive to run. But at the end of the day, the cost-benefit ratio, in other words, what we're doing is actually of great benefit. And I've met people and continue to meet people who are telling me what a difference the ministry, the the, the broadcasts of YFM are making in their lives. Uh, apart from the fact that people are hearing a positive message of hope, Apart from the fact that they're hearing family-friendly music, yeah, of course, you know, when uh, if, you, if you're a parent who walks into a shop and there's something blaring over the the, the you know the radio, whatever of the shop, and it's uh, music that you probably wouldn't, and lyrics you wouldn't want your children, uh, you know, sort of getting into. Especially, it's very embarrassing for me when my six-year-old sort of looks up and says, "Daddy, what, what's that word?" You know, yeah. from a song. Yeah. Well, you're not going to hear that on YFM. No. It, it's family friendly, and and that that makes us a little bit unique in in our city that we're we're doing that. And of course, we we have throughout the day, and as I was listening this morning, uh, some great family tips, and so much of our economic and social ills start not in the halls of parliament, Cameron. So much of our economic and social ills start. In the lounge room, yes, they start in homes over the kitchen exactly. table, and people who listen to Wayfem throughout the day are going to hear Deb Sorensen give just some some wonderful family advice, and also we have others who are giving just Stafford Williams, of course, giving some great family advice. That if you put that into practice, it will make a difference. And people tell us that people tell us that they so appreciate the advice that they get for doing life and family and that's so encouraging and of course we have to we have to fund that we have to pay for that and yes uh some people will hear our sponsorship throughout the day where we have businesses who kindly and we're very very appreciative of the businesses that support us Uh, we we do ask that if if you hear a sponsor and as i've done i've gone and supported that sponsor and sometimes i've i've mentioned Oh, I, I heard you, you know, advertise on YFM. 
that actually makes a difference as well. We've had mm. some sponsors who said, you know, they haven't had much feedback. Well, let's give them some feedback, yeah, shall we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let them know. Let them know. Look, I, I heard yes. you're on YFM. That's why I'm here. Uh, but, you know, Cameron, the reality is the government, by legislation, restricts how much income we can receive from business sponsorship. We, yes. we actually are restricted to five minutes per hour of the, our ability to play sponsorship, whereas a commercial station has 18 minutes yes. per hour, so it's more yes. than three times. And, of course, we're, rest- we're restricted in, in a couple other ways as well. So that means that, you know, we've got 55 minutes to fund and five minutes obviously isn't going to do that. That's why we are utterly dependent upon uh, our supporters and exactly. our donors. And I'm saying that to say that for those people that gave and gave very generously in the, the last two weeks leading up to the end of our financial year, I'm just saying thank you. Indeed. Thank you so much for what I you've done. That. Yeah. Now, I was very intrigued on my way up here to hear that a, a you know political party has come out with a 20-year vision for our state. I'm, I'm thrilled that people are thinking in terms of 20-year vision. I actually potentially think that – well, no, I don't potentially think. I think that potentially a 20-year vision is still limited, that we need as a state, as we consider where we're going as a state – we need a vision for what our state can look like that goes way beyond 20 years. And, and people might think, 20 years, man, that, that's a lifetime. And I guess for many it is. And, and you know, if I said to my, my six-year-old, who's now seven, you know, where are you going to be in 20 years? Well, goodness me, Cameron, she's only had, you know, just over seven years on this planet. Mm, the 20 mm. years is, is, <laughs> is more than three lifetimes yes. for her. And that's very, very difficult. But for those of us that have journeyed a little bit in life we realized 20 years just flies yes my wife and i just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary you did yes and it was and he doesn't look that old really <coughs> don't look that old although the years, <laughs> as many people tell me the years have not been kind rubbish <laughs> don't listen to the man and, and uh we, we've got th- this ability once you you know you sort of journey down life a little bit to realize time flies it really does fly and the things that you set in motion 20 years ago, many people will be old enough now to realise those things have a, a direct bearing on where Absolutely. they're at now in yep. life. And when I've mentioned before that I've heard some people say that they've lived their lives without regret. And I, I just find that mind-boggling because, Cameron, I've got loads of regret. I, I you know, There's lots of things that I guess in one respect I wish I could go back in time and change and I would do differently. And I've taken the attitude to work in reverse, work in reverse regret. In other words, regret. So rather than thinking, what would I change if I could go back, project yourself forward. In other words, where do you want to be in 20, 30, 40 years' time? And work your way back. In other words, what do I have to do now to get there? And I think as a state, we we do need to start thinking in terms like that. I guess when I hear a part of the, the, the vision of this particular political party was that we'll be totally um, renewable energy in, in 20 years, but the offset of that will be a higher cost of living, then then something in me says we're not thinking hard enough. We're just not thinking hard enough. We, we can actually, we should actually be able to have a, have a vision where our lifestyle goes up, not down. In other words, the cost of living becomes more affordable where we we become a more just 
society yes. where people who uh, don't have learn to uh, well, we, we, we move from a society of haves and haves not to, to a more equitable society where, where those that don't have learn how to get, perhaps, I, I guess is what I'm struggling to say there. And, and we, we can have a vision that's, that's bigger than just, you know, bottom lines on, on a balance sheet for the state government or the federal government. And we can have a vision for our state that looks not just at, at the, the indicators of, you know, crime rates and economic indicators and so on, but we can actually begin to look at look at a big vision, a, a vision where our, our state has a, a higher rate of purpose and meaning and p- satisfaction, and we can begin to address some of these things. Now, Cameron, in me saying that, saying that 20 years is, not a, is, is probably not long enough, we, we need to recognise that there's uh, oftentimes in... in you know, we were just talking off air before about the dissatisfaction currently politically. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things is that politicians are generally uh, going to the lowest common denominator, giving immediate short-term answers and quips and solutions. Yes, and yes. hardly any of us are prepared to make make the kind of support necessary for people who, who are talking in terms of long-term vision. Cameron, we... When we build glitzy new hospitals or, as I heard, I think described as state-of-the-art, world-class prisons, I don't think this is anything that we particularly should be proud about. Now, people might think, hang on, what, what are you saying? We should have third-world hospitals and third-world prisons? No, 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 I'm not, not saying that at all. But what I am saying is if we have to be building bigger hospitals and bigger prisons... Tell me what's going on in society mm-hmm. if that's the case. Exactly, and we we know that we've got certain things that need to be addressed in our state, and somebody somewhere's got to go. Hang on a minute, if if we're having to build bigger hospitals, build more hospitals, put more doctors on, and so on, is is something going on here? <laughs> Where we need to go, maybe we're not getting healthier. Well, it's the case of the wrong issues, or the the issue, the issues that need to be addressed. Well, it's not just being addressed. even even education, Cameron. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we know that we need to become better educated. We need to educate yeah. better. We know that. And you know, while there's many commendable things in the Gonski report, essentially it's about putting more money into schools to resource mm. uh, schools and uh, pay teachers mm. better, and so on. And at the end of the day, that's a, that, that, it's a very, very attractive short-term solution mm. that doesn't actually ad- necessarily address the long-term issues. And this is where a 20-year vision or a 30-, 40-year vision, you're actually beginning to think in terms not just, you know, what's going to win me a vote at the next election, yeah. but what is actually going to make this state and this country a better place. Cameron, let, let's go to a, a music break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the, the one of the most fundamental things that needs to be addressed in our state and that is work you know we we are seeing a trend around the world and if you know anything about what's going on in Spain right now the national unemployment rate in Spain is 26% oh wow yeah but that that's only half the story yeah the the unemployment rate for those under the age of 25 in Spain is 56 percent 
Ooh, now that's okay. a trend that's happening yes. all around the world, and I think in Tasmania we need to set ourselves up with a culture mm. that inoculates against that trend. And let's start to talk about that when we come back after this song. Okay, well we've got a song about the working class man coming up next as we tie in with this morning's discussion. Well, there's that classic uh, Australian uh, song there from uh, Jimmy Barnes, Working Class Man, and that's what we're talking about with Dr. Andrew Corbett this morning. Let's face it, Andrew, I think uh, the culture of Australia, it's all about the working class man, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly an entrenched part of our culture that champions the the blue-collar worker. Mm. And look, Australia is, it's a mixed, it's a mixed relationship with work because on the one hand, I remember growing up where, um, I grew up in Geelong, a very working class Mm. area, you know, where people either worked for the Ford Motor Company or they worked for Shell. And then they worked for associated industries around those two giant industries in Geelong. So everyone was was working class and they were big corporations and there was an attitude in, in growing up where you would, you really were trying to get the most entitlements, the most benefits. And an interesting thing happened, of course, unemployment rate, for many people, they, they might remember that the Australian unemployment rate went up well over 10%. It was, it was just a, a huge time. Inflation went up around about 18% uh, during the, the, the era of Gough Whitlam. I know that there are a whole bunch of people who weren't even born then, but there, there, there are those of us that remember that. And, and, and then a very interesting thing happened that people realised that work is not a right, it's a privilege, and... Yes that you know while you can you know jump up and down and and strike and want your entitlements and so on and many of those were quite legitimate but at the end of the day something changed in the psyche of Australians about work and the result is now while we often joke about how you know i guess slack Australians might be at work the actual picture is quite the opposite Australians are among the hardest working people on the planet and that's, that's shown in our relatively high rates of productivity, our, our not even relatively, but our, our long work hours. People work hard. They work mm. long here in Australia. Yeah, they certainly do. And that's despite the fact, as I said, during you know, those 1970s where I remember people were fighting for a 38-hour working week and then a 36-hour working week, 35-hour working week, which uh, still getting paid the 40-hour rate, but working less days and getting rostered days off a month and that that kind of thing. Yet despite all that, I don't know anybody working a full-time job that's working, you know, 32, 35, 38 hours. Most most people are working 50, 60 Mm, hours. Particularly this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. So Australians do have this attitude to work that they're prepared to roll their sleeves up and get into it. Yeah. Which is, I think, an admirable trait, and I think there's there's an interesting, you know, probably pendulum swing about to hit Australia at the moment with that, because a lot of kids are growing up seeing their parents always at work and working quite hard and wondering what's the point. And I, so I'd be very interested to see how the pendulum swings a bit in that regard. But let's let's look at this global trend that's happening. Before we go to news, Cameron, there is a, a growing unemployment phenomena happening around the world america i think is around eight percent which is incredibly high australia is i think around 
four to five percent, which you know in global trend is is not that high. But we can see what's happening. Things are becoming, jobs are, are moving mm. to what we, for a long time, considered to be the third world. It soon won't be. It will be first world. Well, of course, in America, they mm-hmm. don't have the benefits of unemployment. Uh, that Australia does. Yeah, and they don't have, you know, here we are talking about entitlements and yeah. so on. They they often will have people working full-time jobs for mm. 5 6 $7 an hour. And you might think, well, that's just unsustainable. Who can live on that? Well, yeah, exactly. They can't. And and there is a a growing phenomena of, of what we would call working class, yeah. working poor. So people mm. actually have a job. The only job they can get is for you know seven eight dollars an hour or whatever it is, and they can't actually you know how on earth can a, a, a husband and father uh, who's got you know three young children under the age of eight with with a stay at home mum look look after their their children on three hundred dollars a week you know th- this is and it's just not possible. Well, when we talk about the cost of living going up, as as I heard you know, in that news break that one of the political parties is saying this is going to happen here in Tasmania. Oh, I'm going, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm just thinking, no, no, we, we can address these issues of employment and work and cost of living, but there are some things we're going to have to start doing in our culture. Here's, here's I think, a point. Employers are always looking for those who can help grow their business. So if you, if you want a good-paying job, a well-paid job, and you're looking for work, if you can learn how you can add value to a business. So there is just, there is no way an employer would want to employ someone who's going to make their business less profitable. That is just, it's just a no-brainer, just a no-brainer. So if you want to add value, if, if you are somebody who can learn to add value to a business, whether that be reducing costs or increasing revenue, you are going to make yourself more employable. Now, that, that should not be a startling revelation. But, Cameron, that's the first thing we need to recognise, that mm. when you're looking for work, you've got to have a bigger picture in mind. Let's come back after the news and continue with, with the three Cs of employability. And these are going to revolutionise the thinking of our listeners. Indeed. All right, back shortly with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Here's the news now. It's uh, 9 o'clock. Okay, we're in uh, the studio at the moment with Dr. Andrew Corbett on the subject this week of work, and uh, today we're going to have a look at the three C's of work. Okay, so the first thing we've pointed out is if you can learn, if you're looking for work or perhaps you've got a job and you realise for you, it's a bit of a dead end job, and you want to you want to advance. The first thing you have to do is learn how to add value to a business. So learn how to reduce costs, learn how to increase revenue. Very very simple. In other words, by re- by increasing revenue and reducing costs, employers, owners of businesses, they, they they use this word that you know the bottom line of that is profit. And if any employee can help an employer's business become more profitable they become more likely to find work. Now, there's three C's that will help you to achieve that end. And these are critical. So when someone, when when an employer is looking for an employee to give them a job, they will generally use these three C's as their their criteria for 
for looking at who who will fit in here. The third, let's let's go backwards. So the third one is competency. Having competency to do a particular job is the is the third thing an employer is looking for. Now you might we we actually live in a a world where this one is mistakenly put first by you know government and training organisations. It's important, but it's not the first thing an employer is going to look for. It, it is something an employer is going to look for, but not the first thing an employer is going to look for. Competency. Being able to do the job. I mean, of course, if you go, if you apply for a job as a, you know, an air traffic controller and you've got absolutely no competency for the job, you're not going to get the job. That, that's a no-brainer. No, no. So competency is really important, but the the... It seems to me that those people who actually don't employ anyone, they actually don't have a business that they're running and yet they're telling you know the unemployed this is what you need to do to get a job, all really major on this one, competency. Uh, so I'm, I'm stressing that, yes, you do need competency and it, it is important. Competency can come through formal vocational training, whether it be through an apprenticeship or learning a skill on the job it can come through doing a degree but those things aren't necessarily how you're going to become competent at a job i remember hearing um bill gates talk about how he hired in the early days of microsoft he he actually would not hire someone with a computing degree to write his computer software and i I found that really intriguing because he said that you know, the system produces a group of people that think in a certain way and usually by the time they've graduated with their degree in, you know, computer software, they're already three or four years behind the the game. And so he, he was looking for young people that really understood the craft and could just do it. They had the competency to do it. Very, very interesting approach. Yeah. Other organizations are the same. McDonalds, they 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 don't take people who you know, come already trained. They look for these three C's, but that they are going to do their own competency training. Okay, so that's that's the the third C. The second C is a really really important one, and most employers will will sometimes look at this one as one of the most important ones, and it's chemistry. Chemistry is is the ability to get along with others, to connect with others, to be able to socialise well, to be able to fit in well, to be able to complement people. So if you're looking for work, you've and look, I, I know that when you've been out of work for a long time, this can actually be quite demoralising. Work is one of those things that gives you a, a sense of meaning and purpose. I, I think it's a God-designed factor in why we're on this planet it's not the only thing that god's designed us for but it is one of the the four or five things that add divine meaning to our Mm, life mm. and that is work so this is really important but sometimes when you've been out of work for for a while you, you tend to become disheartened disillusioned disappointed you you tend to isolate yourself you you tend to become less sociable can I just say to those people who might be in that situation now, you, you need to break out of that. 
you you need to once again socialize you, you need to learn how to re-energize yourself so that you are socially acceptable socially attractive so uh one one of the you know discouragement and shall we say depression not clinical depression but just being down can be actually a bit of a spiral and if you want to find work you, you, you do you need to snap out of that and don't think that finding a job will help you snap out of it because no employer is going to give you a job to help you out really you need to figure out how you can add value to an employer snap out of this thing by socializing getting back into a social context because chemistry is one of the three C's it's one of the criterias that any employer is going to look at will this person get along in this team will this person be able to work with these people be a part of the team will they be able to give and take will they be able to cover will they be able to flex will they be able to mix well will will they be an encourager you know these are the chemistry issues that an employer is looking for now on this essentially any business is is doing three things any and if, if as a potential employee you learn this it'll also help you to find work a business is either helping people meeting a need or satisfying a want. Mm. Now, yes. that, again, that might just sound so simple, but we need to realise businesses do not exist to give people jobs. Like businesses exist to help people meet a need or satisfy a want. Now, none of those things <laughs> have anything to do with this business exists to give me a job. No. So that <laughs> that's where the employee needs to get their. Yeah. They're, they're head in a different space. They need to recognize that that th- this this business does not owe them a job. <laughs> and when when you begin to think differently like that, you, you are better positioned to add value to that business. You're better you're better off to being able to provide you know, add to the right chemistry of that business and so on. Cameron, I've got one more C. It is the most important one. It is the one that that some employers may not be able to tell you what it is, but they know it for them. It's the X factor. And essentially, this is is the one that I think society, government, training organisations can offer you no assistance with. And I think it's the most important attribute to helping someone become employable and desirably employable. In other words, employers are looking for people with this quality, this first C. Let's come back after this song and we're gonna finish up looking at the first C of the three C's that help someone to find work. Okay, we'll be back with that in just a moment, but another song now. Working for the man. Well, I work for the man, a man of sorts. His name is God. Anyway, um, yeah, that's um, uh, Mental as Anything there from uh, the 80s. It was originally hit for Roy Orbison in the 60s. We are talking about work uh, this morning, and uh, we've uh, covered two of the three C's with Dr. Andrew. Let's give us the three now. Okay, so, Cameron, we're, we're talking about developing a culture in our society that that 
becomes a part of the way we think as Tasmanians. Yeah. Where I've, I've mentioned that for some people, they have an attitude about work that says, well, you know, businesses exist to employ people. No, businesses actually don't exist to employ people. Businesses exist to either help people and they, they're they able to make, you know, uh, profit from doing that. They, they may exist to meet a need, you know, like food shops, restaurants, yeah, yep. uh, supermarkets, uh, Coffee. No. All those all those things. They're meeting a need. Well, coffee is obviously one of the greatest, most fundamental basic human needs of any person. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and they also exist to satisfy a want. Like I would think, you know, going to the movies is satisfying a want. Actually, I went and saw Man of Steel the other night. Very, oh, yes. very interesting. Very, yeah. you know, for those people who recognised symbolism in a movie, there was a lot of very overt Christian symbolism in that movie. You know, it finishes up with him ascending. Um, it talks about him coming to earth as a baby. And mm. there's a scene in there where in his greatest time of anguish, he's in a church in front of a stained glass window of uh, which depicted Jesus in Gethsemane. Very, very interesting symbolism throughout the movie, Man of Steel. Anyway, I digress, but that's satisfying a want. So entertainment is satisfying a want. Now, you know, there are businesses that that either fulfill those three criteria, helping people, meeting a need, or satisfying a want. So none of those things have much to do with giving an employee a job. Now, of course, that's the side benefit, but it's not the main deal, and it's important to recognize that. If you want to find work, you have to learn how to add value to a business. You have to be able to sell yourself, sell your ability to a business to demonstrate that by them putting you on, their profit is going to improve. Now, of course, some, for example, a government sector or a government service, their, their profit is not financial. Their, their profit is measured differently, but it's the same principle. Mm-hmm. When we... When we talk about someone who's been unemployed for a long time, it, it often leads to them being despondent. And we've said, you know, that that will make you less socially attractive. And one of the, the most important factors for an employer to employ someone is not just the third C, their competency, not just the second C. This is this word chemistry. This is why you, you need to learn how to, once again, get get out of, you know, the despondency that you're in, and go and socialise. Just, just you know, if you're invited to a party, don't go, oh, look, I'm just so miserable, I can't see people. You've got to do something you don't want to do. In fact, that's what work is, really. Work is doing something that you don't really want to do. You know, I was mindful when I was reading Andre Agassi's biography, Cameron, the uh, other yes, week, that, yes. that he, 1997 was a train wreck year for Andre Agassi. Just a train wreck year. Yeah, I think I remember. He married a woman he hardly knew, Brooke Shields. With that year, Brooke was not interested at all in either Andre or his tennis. And Andre Agassi uh, was discouraged from training, practicing, uh, eating right. And that year, I I remember this, and it was a very, very sad thing to to look at, but Andre Agassi... um, put on a lot of weight he he started to lose to lower ranked players he went from being number one in the world 
down to 144 yes. in the world. And it was just a really, really sad time. And his coach said to him, you've got to get back to basics. You, you, you have to go and play in these what's called challenger tournaments, which are the lowest rung tournaments. It's where the prize money, you know, Andre Agassi had been playing for prize money of half a million dollars in some of these tournaments. You know, as in that's the winner's pool. And he, he went to these challenger tournaments where the prize money was $2,000. And his coach said, you need to learn how to work hard again as a tennis player. And his first challenger tournament, he's playing, you know, nobodies. These are people who are just starting out. They're, they're much younger than him. And, and, and he loses. And it's very humiliating for him. And he realises that this, this is not who he is. He needs to, here's the key word, he needs to work. He needs to work. Now, his job, his office is a tennis court, and his job is to play tennis. That was the way he viewed it. And... There are times when you're going to go to work and you're just not going to enjoy it. We're all going to have days like that mm. where you don't enjoy it. But that's the nature of work. So if someone is saying, ah, oh, look, I, I don't want to get just any job. I want to get a job that I enjoy. Well, when you actually wake up and join the rest of us in the real world, you're going to realize the world doesn't revolve around you. The world doesn't always work like that. You're actually going to have to do things in this world, in life, that have to be done, and you have to do it, even though either you don't want to do it or you don't enjoy doing it. Mm. That's just the way it works. Yeah. I think it's yeah. one of the parental responsibilities to teach their children that. I, none of my children have ever wanted to tidy their room. <laughs> they have to do it. It's work for them, but they don't want to do it. It's just... But it's that kind of culture... That parents need to help their children to realise hey, yes. this is actually how the world works. There, Cameron, there'll be to there have been times when on a our rubbish is collected on Thursdays. There's been times on a you know the the, the garbage truck is coming down the road at five thirty on a Thursday morning, and I have this this you know just uh, hand sort of flop across my chest going, "You did put the rubbish bins out, <laughs> didn't you?" And then the realisation. No, I didn't. I forgot to put them out. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, it's, uh, there is not a whole lot of want no. about getting up and taking those taking bins out rubbish, in your yeah. pyjamas, yes. cold, wet, out, bleh. There's no, whole, um, not a whole lot of enjoyment. Unless you have an ambition to be a garbage man. but Well, even still, there's still not a whole lot of want and desire, and I really enjoy doing this. And, that, <laughs> and, and in that sense, you've got to work around the house as well. But that's, that's the nature of work. You're going to have to do things that have to be done. You won't necessarily enjoy it, and you won't necessarily want to do it. So, you know, the person who says, I want to have a job that's fun, well, good for you. But in the meantime, you're going to have to learn these three C's. And that's going to mean doing yes. a job that you may not enjoy, you may not like. But if you can get this, so the, the, the three C's, the first one's competency, the second one, chemistry. And we're going to introduce the, the first C in just a moment. But, but I really want to stress this. If you are unemployed at the moment, you haven't got a job, can I tell you, you've got a job right now, you've got a job. And your job is to get a job. That's your job. Makes sense. Your job yeah. is to get a job. Now, for you right now, your work, you have to work at getting a job. Yes. Now, I've just described to you what work feels like, what it looks like. Work 
often feels like something you have to do even though you don't want to do it. I guarantee we we could have a queue of employers lined up outside the studio door right now who could tell a story after story after story of their business where they had to make a decision, they had to do something they really would rather not face, they really would rather not do. And they are looking for people that understand this is how the world works. This is how life works. So if you're long-term unemployed or even short-term unemployed, you have a job. Right now, you have a job. Your job is to get a job. Having said that, before we go to the, the first C, developing competency, developing chemistry, and developing the first C is, is beautifully done through doing something that is actually a dwindling thing here in Australia, and that's through volunteering. And we, we so undervalue the, the benefit to society of volunteering. If someone is wanting to develop the skills maybe to start a business, run a business, maybe to build a business empire. They're looking for someone to pay them so that they can learn to do this. They're probably not going to have a whole lot of joy. Robert Kiyosaki in his book Rich Dad, Poor Dad tells the story of how he wanted to learn how to run a business. He went to somebody who was running a business very successfully and he said to them, I want to learn how to run a business. And they said, fine, turn up tomorrow, 8 o'clock in the morning. Wear, wear rough clothes and so okay. so for the next you know every Saturday or whatever he, he would have to come in uh, this is when he was just still in high school and they would get him sweeping out the storeroom they would get him doing this they would get him doing these things without pay wow without pay and when his dad heard about it he, his dad was furious he said how <laughs> dare this employer you know abuse you this is, work, this is a workplace relations disaster and all the rest of it without realizing that he was being paid but not financially he was being paid in an education mm. that meant that robert kiyosaki went on to become a multi-millionaire yes in his business adventures and so learning to volunteer uh, cameron here at yfm we, we have lots of opportunities for volunteers to come and help sometimes we've had people come and say I want to volunteer. What can I do? And we've said, well, actually, you know what? This particular thing really needs doing. And then they've looked at us going, oh, no, I really don't want to do that. I want to do something I would rather enjoy. I'm thinking, well, okay, sorry, we can't help you. Uh, and while you don't want to do this because you don't enjoy it, and by the way, we don't necessarily enjoy it either, it's still got to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just got to be done. And so, we, you know, we, we need people to come and volunteer here at YFM to to do some some little technical things that, that would take about 15 minutes to be trained in. It would take probably uh, 40 minutes of, of their time, maybe once or twice a week, and that, you know, switching to Southern Cross News and so on. And we can show people how to do that, and it would just so help us. Yes. And we, we are looking for volunteers to come and help do that. Of course we're looking for people to volunteer as announcers. We're looking for people to come and volunteer and help us to promote YFM. Uh, we, we, don't, we currently don't have a promotions officer. We, we're looking for someone that can help us do that, who can represent us in community events and things like that. So we have volunteer opportunities here. Now, we think that those skills, and, and Cameron, I've heard you many times talk about people 
who've gone from serving as a volunteer yeah, here at yeah. YFM and gone into the commercial absolutely, arena yes. and absolutely flourished, mm. just really, really flourished. Right, here's the first C that employers are looking for. It's character. If, someone's going to, if an employer is going to employ someone, they want to know, yep, they're competent. They want to know that they, they're going to have the chemistry to get along with the team, get along with the employer. But most importantly, it's character. Are they honest? Do they have integrity? Do they understand what diligence is? Do they understand that if you don't get it right the first time, you hang in there? Do they understand what you know endurability looks like so that mm. they can just keep going, get this thing done? Do they understand that some tasks have got to be done even at personal cost of, of um, you know, comfort and so on, convenience? Th- th- these are character issues. Do they understand that y- you work hard not just when someone's watching, but when someone's not. Do they understand that that corruptibility, you know, if someone, if a customer offers you a bribe or something like that, that this is reprehensible. So character. Now, I've never seen a TAFE course on character. I've never, and yet, and there's, no, there's certainly no Bachelor of, bachelor of Character mm. degree offered by UTAS. Yet... This would be the number one C. This is the number one thing. And uh, I've heard many employers say that they employ on the basis of character and train for competency. In other words, they recognize someone may not have the competency, but they can train them for it. But they can't train them for the competency if they haven't got the character to go along with it. So these are the three C's that help someone to become employable, to find work. Cameron, I think we can have as close to zero, as close to zero unemployment rate in this state if we develop a culture that focuses on developing these things that I've been talking about. And our 20-year vision can look like a society where unemployment is almost eradicated, where social malfunction, where crime is, is almost non-existent, where we, we have social cohesion where we talk to each other with civility and respect, where we, we are able as a society to embrace the stranger yes. and the visitor, yep. where we have a vision for our state that, that sees way beyond a financial bottom line or a crime rate statistic. Cameron, I'll be back next yeah, Wednesday. We'll be back. And we'll continue to talk about things that can add value to people's lives and our state. He'll be back. Thank you, Arnold Schwartz. I mean, uh, Andrew Corbett. <laughs> you can catch Dr. Andrew Corbett tonight from uh, tomorrow night from 8.30 on Finding Truth Matters. Listen out for that here on YFM. And, of course, he'll be back with another Wednesday morning discussion at the same time next week. At YFM now, it's 9.32 with Coldplay now.